I want to I want to jump into God's word today. Are you ready for the word of God? All right. Why don't you grab your Bible and turn with me to Joshua chapter three, um, and I want to dive into God's word today. What I want to share. Let me see if I can contextualize this. Um, I was going to begin a series today called Fit for the Fight. It's a really great series. Maybe someday I'll get to preach it. This happens to me sometimes. Um, but I really felt like God started something in our church a couple weeks ago. If you remember the week before, many of you probably were here, Palm Sunday, it was the week before Easter. And God had given a word about recovering our passion. And, and probably about 80% of our church responded, came to, to the altar. And we prayed. We said, God, we just need our passion back, our passion for you, serving you, loving you, chasing you, living the life you've called us to, that kind of thing. And, and I felt like God began to move in our church. And, and then I felt like, you know, that was witnessed in a lot of things. And then Monday at prayer after that Sunday, we had 130-something people in prayer, I believe, um, that next Monday, uh, which if you've never been to prayer, it's usually not that many people, you know, um, but it was just people recovering their passion, hungry for God, crying out for more, you know, and and so it's, you know, you have to look and, and, and remember, like, God's moving. This is God's church. We just want to move with God. Does that make sense? And then uh, last weekend at Easter, um, man, we saw, uh, this is amazing, uh, 32 people accepted Christ last weekend. Uh, which is incredible, and um, so we're trying to steer them towards water baptism. Praise the Lord! Um, and so, um, and so, I, I just feel like God's moving. So I just kind of want to want to share as best I can, contextualize what I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying. And I would say even I, I think to the church, but Pathway's a part of the church. You know what I'm saying? And and I, I can only speak to Pathway. I'll contextualize it for us. But um, a few. Uh, Weeks ago, I was um, I, I was about to say I was reading. Truthfully, I was listening to the Bible. Um, I was driving and I was listening to the Bible. And I just I used to do that in college a lot when I had to drive. I would I'd pop in a cassette of the Bible. I just listened to Scripture as I drove. In fact, at one time I had a set of cassette tapes. Now some of you young people don't know what those things are. Um, but right after eight tracks, we had cassettes, and you don't know what eight tracks are either. But, um, but anyways, I had cassette tapes, and it was James Earl Jones reads the Bible. Now James Earl Jones, most of you know who that is. But you haven't lived till you had Darth Vader read you the Bible. You understand what I'm saying? Especially when you got to the book of Luke, which was my favorite because Luke chapter one. You know, and it was like, like this. Oh, I just hope there's a verse in there where it says, "Luke, I'm your father." But anyways. Um, and, and, but anyway, so I was, I was just, I was like, you know what? I'm going to listen to the Bible as I drive. And so I started on, I got the version app and I just clicked on Joshua. I'm not even sure why I picked Joshua. I love the book. Picked Joshua. It's not where I was currently reading in my devotional time, but I thought, eh, why not? Joshua, I love Joshua. Clicked the book of Joshua. Well, when I got to chapter three, uh, the narrator was reading it and he read a phrase. And when he read that phrase, it just, it just hit me. Like, this is no longer just me listening to the Bible. This is God speaking. And the more I've pondered that, prayed about it, and then especially Monday in prayer, God really began to speak again. And um, I, I had a friend years ago, and, he, and he's gone to be with Jesus now, but he, was, uh, he went to the church we went to and knew him really well. He, was, he just had some great sayings. Like he'd say, son, if you go preach, preach like your hair's on fire. Um, and I just like, I just like those type of things. I don't know. And, and, but he used to say all the time, he would say, you know, when God speaks a word, sometimes we miss it. We get a word and we just move on. And he said, when God speaks a word, you need to meditate on that word, pray into that word, preach from that word and teach from that word to make sure we really get everything about what God is doing in that moment through that word. Does that, is, are you with me? In other words, don't just come to church and go home. Take the word with you and think about it all week, you know, and say, God, what are you speaking? When we say, God, what are you speaking to me? It's not just something we do. But anyway, so I just, over the last couple of weeks, been thinking about this. And so um, it brought me to Joshua chapter 3 because that's where God spoke. And that's, I, I want to share some things. It's probably not a good sermon. might be a good message. But I think, I think Pathway is, is at a, a different place. Um, and I think God is even calling the church in a different direction. And, and let me quantify or qualify that would be a better way to say it. So church history. Now, I've been in church all my life. I was, I was raised in church, right? Been in church all my life. Been on, I've worked in ministry 25 years, been a senior pastor 13 years. 
Um, I've seen a lot, a lot of church, right? And that's good. But I've seen trends come and go, and then and not and I wouldn't even say trends. It's like I saw the way. Maybe this is a better way to say. It, I saw the way God led us in one season, and then it's like God changed and led us differently. And a lot of times churches die because they can't make the transition between what God was doing, and what God is doing. It's the same God, but it's a different way. Does that make sense? And and I've seen that. Some of you have probably seen that. And and then also in the church we have a problem finding the middle. And what I mean by that is when you look at church, like for instance, there's a lot I could give, but church government. Some churches get on this side where it's like we don't want the pastor to have any control, and so essentially he's an employee and he's going to be here four or five years, and we're going to send him to his next assignment and bring you somebody new. And that is a form of church government. I'm not against it. I'm just saying that's one form. And then the other form, it can swing all the way through boards and committees and all types of things and you get over here to the other side where you have a pastor that has no accountability and, and no one around him that's you know has any leverage whatsoever and it's almost like a dictator, spiritual dictatorship or something like that and we've seen that. And and it's it's two sides of a pendulum and, and it's struggling to find find the middle. I feel like as a pastor, the hardest thing you ever do is try to find the middle right? The other thing is on the expression of the Holy Spirit, or we'd say the moving of the Holy Spirit, because, you know, you got like, you had the charismatic movement of the 80s, and you had the Pentecostal movement early in that, and the healing evangelist, you know, was the 50s and 60s, and 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 you have all that, and, and there's a lot of expression of the Holy Spirit, a lot of gifting of the Holy Spirit, lots of words, and, and but then people even swing farther, and everybody's got a tambourine and a streamer, and they're knocking each other out with them, you know, and it, and it gets way out over here. So the way we answer that is we throw it all out, and we run over here, and we, and we, and we so tighten down what the church service is that the Holy Spirit no longer has any room to breathe in it. Right, And it was in response to, well, that was weird, and people didn't like that, and that made me uncomfortable. And so and then I swung over here, and now I've got this perfect church service, and I'm just praying the Holy Spirit doesn't show up and mess what I finally got working. Don't let him mess that up, right? And then you're trying to find the middle because somewhere, like we, I mean, church without the Holy Spirit is not church, right? It's just a form of godliness with no power. Are you with me? Which I think Paul talks about, you know. And, and so to me, like I know the modern day church formula, and y'all know it too. Um, I'm not preaching against that, by the way. I, we're just talking. Can we just talk for a minute? And and I, I have friends who are church consultants, and they can tell you, like, the average worship experience in America is uh, 68 minutes or 63 minutes. Um, you know, um, and, and it's got, you know, 15 to 17 minutes of music, you know, 28 to 34 message minutes of a inspirational talk. And, and then we, you know, try to get everybody out and in and, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that's bad. I'm just saying that's what it is. And you know why that is what it is. Now we could talk about the seeker movement through the eighties with Saddleback and Rick Warren and, and Willow Creek and, and all that God did. Now, time out. I'm not speaking against those people or those things. Please hear. I'm not against anything except sin and the devil, okay? Like, that's where I'll be against. Well, and there's other things, but we don't have time for that list. But you understand what I'm saying. When it comes to the church, I'm pro-church, whatever kind, whatever form. If it exalts Jesus, praise Jesus, right? And we needed a movement that was a seeker-friendly movement. Why? Because church had become only about church people. And, and, and people who weren't church people were so disenfranchised and disassociated and even someplace not even welcomed in the church that we needed that kind of movement to get the church focused on the people that weren't in the church yet because the world was going to hell and we were worried about our bake sale and our Bible study. Right? Are you tracking? And so God did so much then, but now I feel like the pendulum has swung so far that every church is seeker-friendly. Every church has fallen in the same category, and all the churches pretty much are the same. Just change out the man talking up front. They're all pretty much the same formula. They all pretty much have the same thing. Why? And why do they have that? Let's do Why do they have that? Because that's what people want. See, the sad thing is church is kind of like Costco. They carry what the people want to buy. Are you with me? I'm just sharing some thoughts. I might preach in a minute. And, and, and that's okay to a certain degree, but I wonder what God wants 
Like we've forgotten to ask that question. Like, Holy Spirit, what would you want to do today? Because we already had our agenda set, you know, three months ago. The sermon series, the notes were done six months ago. I'm not against it. I'm just trying to say, here's what I think. I think there's a stirring in the body of Christ where people are going to get discontent with popular Christianity that half the time isn't biblical. It's a mile wide and an inch deep. And ultimately, ultimately, it's, it's not life-changing anymore because of a lot of reasons. And I'm trying to filter as I talk. And I think... I think there's a stirring of people that are hungry for the authentic presence of God that sometimes can't be put in a box that man made. And I think that's actually going to drive the church in the coming months and years because I think people are going to be like, I'm not showing up anymore for a rah-rah session and a pat on the back and a motivational talk with a couple of scriptures in it. At least I'm hopeful that that it shifts. Man, there's a lot I want to say. Joshua chapter 3. We're going to start a journey together. Joshua chapter 3. So so for me, when I read this ver- when when I heard this verse and began to pray into it, I felt like God started speaking. And and I really think Listen, there's some things about the church that have to change because we, how do I say this in a nice way? Globally, as well as pathway, you know what we need? We need the presence of God. We need the power of God. We need the miracles of God. But to do that, you also have to accept the standard of God, the holiness of God. You have to feel the way about sin that God feels the way about sin. You actually have to take a stand and say sin still sin. Are, are, are you with me? And, and then you have to take people deeper. And you have to disciple. And you have to teach people the Bible. And, and I just, my prayer is this... I, I think that's where God's calling us to. At least I know that's where God's calling pathway to. I, I, for everybody else, I don't know. I'm not their pastor. Pathway I am. And so when I heard this in, in Joshua 3, this is this all, everything I just said came out of that right there. So I'm going to read it now. So we're working backwards, I guess. But Joshua 3, most of you know this is Israel. They're about to cross into the promised land. And you know, God brought them out of Egypt with Moses and then brought them to the promised land. They didn't go in. 40 years in the wilderness. That generation dies out. Moses dies. Now they're at the border of the promised land. They're camped at the Jordan River. Joshua chapter 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from the place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it. Now, that was kind of a side statement. So I want to read verse 3 and then go to the second part of verse 4 so you get the context of the second part of verse 4 because it's a little bit strained here. But it says, you know, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it that you may know the way by which you must go for you have not been or passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, don't we all want the Lord to do wonders among us? Don't we all want the Lord to do wonders among us? Well, he just said there's there's some prerequisites. We just read them. Um, I call this message a new day, a new way. New day, new way. Um, let's pray, and then I'll try to make all that make sense. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we lean into you today, and we ask, God, that you speak. Give us ears to hear your voice today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. New day, a new way. Here's what God just told Israel. He essentially said, you don't know the way to go. 
So you're going to have to set your eyes on the ark, which ultimately represents the presence of God. In other words, you don't know for sure where you're going. You know it's that way. And you don't know how to get there. You've never gone this way before. And it is true. Where God brought them first to go into the promised land and where God brought them the second time to go into the promised land, we're not the same place. Where they said no the first time and where they finally said yes and crossed over, not the same place. So he's saying, you don't know the way to go. And, and, and I think, I don't know about you, there's, there's a little bit of anxiety and also a lot of peace in saying, I don't know the way to go. As a pastor, sometimes as a dad, I don't know, as a pastor, dad, you guys might feel this way, as a mom, I'm sure too, you, you want to know, especially if your kid's asking the right answer. As a leader in a company, you always want to know the right answer or the answer. And sometimes you just have to say, if you want to be authentic, you know, instead of making something up, sometimes you have to say, I don't know, I don't know. I can pray about it, I can find out, but I don't know. And here's what he's saying. I mean, Joshua, that's what God's saying. He's like, hey, you, you don't know the way to go. Here's what I felt like God was saying. It's a new day. It's a new way. There's a new way to go, and you don't know the way. That's what I felt like he said. Marty, there's a new way, and you don't know what it is. So you had to fix your focus, fix your eyes on the presence of God. Fix your eyes on the presence of God. They are in pursuit of the promise of God right? They're going to the promised land, right? I think one thing we need to understand is God has a promise for everybody. And God has a promise for you that, that we are people of promise. Did you know that? That, that God has a global promise for, for the body of Christ, meaning those who are grafted in with Israel uh, by faith in Jesus, which is what the New Testament tells. We're not Jews. We're grafted in Jews because we believe in Jesus, right? So, so God has a promise for his people that is global. Promise for Israel, promise for us, that is global. And then God has specific and general promises, I think, for us as individuals. We are, we are people of promise. Here, I, I read you a couple of verses, just, you know, I don't know, I think you should always have a verse for everything, but 2 Peter 1, 4 says, by, by which we have been given to us, or by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Look at what's been given to us, promises, great and precious promises. That, these, that we be partakers of divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. Here's another one, Galatians 3, 9. And if you are Christ, so how many are Christ? Well, probably most of us. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs, according to what? The promise. That, that here's what the Bible tells us is that we are people of promise, meaning there's a promised land for us, and the promised land is not heaven allegorically, when you study the Old Testament, the promised land represents the overcoming Christian life that he's called us to. In other words, the promised land represents everything that was accomplished in Christ and us realizing it, walking into it, experiencing it. And that's spiritual and it's also natural, you could say, in that spiritually we're talking about salvation and justification, right? Um, sanctification, in other words, that how God makes us holy as we follow him, right? As God conforms us to the image of Christ as we follow him. So, so there's a spiritual application. And then there's a natural application that, that the promise of Abraham that, that is now our promise because we're grafted in, that Abraham was healthy and, and he prospered in the place that God called him, right? And that he was blessed. And even more so, Galatians 3 and 8 says the gospel was preached to Abraham beforehand saying, in you, all the nations will be blessed. In other words, the promise of God is that God's going to bless the nations through us, that God's going to use his people, the church, to reach the world, that God's going to use his people, the church, to bless the world, that, that the power of God and the purpose of God, the mission of God, the the the, the resources of God. I mean, that everything God wants to do, it flows through his church. And God wants to use us to touch the nations, to reach the nations. And, and sometimes the nations are Papua New Guinea and sometimes the nations are one door down. But there is a plan and a purpose and a calling. And, and there is this 
promised land, which yes, is walking into what Christ has promised me. Like he has delivered me and then, and then he's freed me and then he's made me whole. And so I can be whole. And we talk about freedom and we start to live free today. And that's about wholeness of the soul. And, and so there's a part of that, which you could call peace if you want to. And, and, and then there's purpose and there's destiny and there's all those things that Christ has already paid for that we walk into that, that are part of that promise. And then God God speaks specifically. And maybe God, and God will, if he has not, speak a promise to you about your family or about your kids or about your company or your business or where you work or how God wants to use you. All of that is promise. Are you with me? All of that is the promised land. And God has called us all to that. How do I know? Because God will never call you out without calling you into. Please write that down. God won't call me out. If God, let me say it this way, if God has saved you, he called you out, but in doing that, he's calling you too. Look at Abraham. I want you to come out from her. I want you to leave behind, you know, the family, and I want you to come out. God calls him out. But did God just say, I want you to come out? I want you to come out of there? No, he said, because I want to take you into. I want you to come out of her because I want to take you into the promise. God will not call you out and not call you into. Peter said, we're, we're a, a chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, called out of darkness into the kingdom, into light. Paul said to the Colossians, he said, hey, you're called out of darkness, called into, the, you know, translated out. We can say it that way, translate out. I think it's what one version says, but you say called out of darkness and into the kingdom of his son. So the, the proof of the matter is, if you've been saved, there's a promise. If you've been saved, he saved you too. He called you too. He called you out, but he called you too. And what did he call you to? The promise of God. The promise of God over your life. The promise of God. The promise of what he wants to do in and through you. You see, I think, I think the, um, the challenge is a lot of times if we don't know God's promised land, we, we make our own promised land. In fact, sometimes I think we experience a great tension because God has a promised land for us and we have a promised land for us. And a lot of times they're not the same promised land, right? I don't know about you. When I was 20 years old, I could have told you God's promised land for me. I could, I, you know, some of you got a vision board. You know, that's your promised land. You know what I'm saying? And there's nothing wrong with vision boards. There's nothing wrong with having dreams. But I'm just saying my promised land, his promised land weren't the same promised land. And there's a tension because sometimes our disappointment in God is not because God is not leading us to his promised land. Our disappointment is he didn't lead us to our promised land. Because God, you know, I put your name on it. I prayed over it. Like I picked what I wanted and then I put a verse with it. I made it spiritual. Ultimately, it's just what I wanted, right? But, but, but I put your name on it and I put a verse on it and you're supposed to get me there. Because you, you take me to the promised land, and here's my promised land. And what you need to understand is God loves you too much to take you to your promised land. God loves you too much to take you to your promised land. Why? Because your promised land is always a lesser promised land than his promised land. And he loves you too much. Sometimes God loves you too much to let you be successful. Sometimes God loves you too much to give you what you're praying for. When God led Israel out of Egypt, he could have just taken them. I'm going to turn this way because in, the head, in my head, this is where the map is. So here's Egypt. <laughs> here's how y'all do it. Here's the promised land. It would have been simple for them just to go due east and get to the promised land, right? But that's not the way God took them. And that would have been about 11 to 14 or 15 days. Instead, God brings them down here, right? And he gets them hemmed in, in by the Red Sea where they're pretty much surrounded. It's like Red Sea, they're here, and the Red Sea's kind of like, the, you know, the, and, and they're right here, and then Pharaoh's army's coming down. Now, God did that for several reasons. 
But the one reason it says, and you can read it, it's in Exodus, but he said God didn't take them, essentially, I'm going to paraphrase, God didn't take them the fastest route or the shortest route. Why? Because they'd had to go through Philistine country. And this is what he said. He didn't take them through there because they weren't ready for war and they would have turned back. See, sometimes we're praying for something and the short route and the fastest route is not the route God can take us. Because we're not ready for the promise. And if God gave us what we were praying for today, the opposition that comes with that promise would kill us. Now, the other reason he took them south was he had to deliver them. Pharaoh's army is going to chase them, right? It's kind of interesting. If you learn, like if we can learn to see with spiritual eyes things that look one way, this perspective changes. For instance, if if I said, okay, here they are down here. Here's the Red Sea, and here's Pharaoh's army closing in. There's no way. They can't, water, water. They can't go anywhere, you know, right here. And if I said, who's under attack? Everybody would say the same thing Israel said. We're under attack. The strongest military force in the world is about to take us down. We are under attack. But you know the truth? You know who was under attack? Egypt. It was all an attack plan to rid them of Egypt. Are you with me? But they just didn't see it that way. And so God took them the long way. Two reasons. Number one, they weren't ready for the opposition that came with their promise. And number two, to completely deliver them of their enemies so their enemies didn't chase them and and get into their promise. Are you with me? So the question then we need to ask is not where do I want to be The question I ask is, God, where do you want me to be? The question is not, what is my promised land? The question is, God, what is your promised land? Because God has a promised land. Here's a second. These are not the points, by the way. It's all introduction. (laughs) We're going to be here till Christmas. But the second thing is, if God has a promise, listen, if God has a promise, if he has a promised land, he said, what do you say? Go. Why? You've never passed this way before. Here's what he said. You don't know the way to your promised land. See, because it's his, it's not yours. And because it's his and not yours, you don't know the way. Are you with me? So what do we sing all the time? Waymaker, like he's a waymaker, right? Right? Because he makes a way. He has a way. By the way, I probably should say this. God's a waymaker, right? Isaiah 43, he makes a way, right? In the, in the wilderness, right? This probably needs to be said, so this is just good. We're going to pause here for a minute. He's a way maker, right? Right? Is God a way maker? Does God make ways? Yes. Then he's a way maker. If God's a way maker, he makes ways and not parking lots. Because there's some people maybe singing way maker today that they ain't moved in 10 years. Just let it heal you, friend. Just let the love of God wash over you today. Remember, my calling is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted. But I'm just saying, there's some people, way maker, miracle worker, but I haven't moved in 30 years and I'm not going to move today ever. I won't join a serve team. I'm not going to a life group. I'm not getting an emotional time. I'm not ever going to do any way maker. I'm saying if God's a way maker, he makes ways, not parking lots. He makes ways, not parking lots. Like what's the calling of God on your life? Move. That's the calling of God on your life. Think about it. They're on this side. They're on this side of the Jordan. And God's like the promised land's on that side. Now to get from this side to that side, what they have to do? You have to move it, move it. You have to move it, move it. You have to move it. Come on, King Julian. You got to move it. Because he makes a way, not a parking lot. I don't know God's plan for my life. I'm going to give you some backwoods Pentecostal preaching from H.B. Byram, who was my granddaddy. I don't know what God's plan. I don't know what to do. Here's what he's saying. You know, it's always easier to steer a car that's moving than one that's parked. 
I'd preach. It'd preach. I'm telling you right now. It'd preach. Right? Because God makes ways, not parking lots. And I think one of the things for us is to say, okay, there's a spiritual promised land, and that spiritual promised land has a knowledge of God. That spiritual promised land has a deepness with God, an intimacy with God, a closeness with God, right? This is what hunger is for. Hunger is a gift from God because it drives us towards a promised land where there's milk and honey spiritually. Are you with me? Do you know how worried they get in the natural when someone says, I have no appetite whatsoever? Do you know what that means? Typically, they're either dead or dying. I think it's the same in the spirit. If you have no spiritual appetite, you need to check your spiritual pulse. Are you with me? Because there's a spiritual place God has called us to, to know him, right? That, that as Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what is the richness and the inheritance of the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards those who believe. What's he calling them to? A spiritual promised land. He's calling them to a spiritual promised land. Are you with me? So there's a spiritual promised land. There's a natural promised land. I get it, but there's a spiritual promised land. And to get there, you have to move it. <laughs> and here's the other thing. To get there, can I tell you, you don't know the way. You don't know the way. Do you, do you know... When, um, so when Jan and I first started dating, she, she lived in Houston, uh, 206 miles away. I know that number. And the first time I went to her house, I put it in, I use ways, everybody. Come on, God makes a way. Come on, use ways. Mm, God got ways. Mm, it's going to preach. Anyways, I put it in ways. And because I didn't know the destination, I didn't know the route. I was heavily reliant on ways for turn-by-turn navigation because that was one stop I didn't want to miss. Are you with me? Now I can make that drive with my eyes closed. I don't need ways. I'm so familiar with it. Does that make sense? I'm so familiar with it that I no longer would need to rely on the navigation at all. I could just rely on myself. The reason God calls you to a place, just like he did Abraham, you're going to leave her, you're going to go. Where are we going? I'll show you once you get to move it, move it. Right? Then Abraham, I want you to offer Isaac. Where? You start going, I'll show you the place, I'll show you the way. Why is it that God never gives me turn-by-turn instructions all the way through? Like, y'all remember MapQuest? Now, younger generation, you don't understand what MapQuest is because y'all have phones with navigation. But back in the day, we didn't have, all of our cars didn't have navigation. In fact, you wanted navigation, you had to buy a TomTom. Anybody remember a TomTom? TomTom was the navigation device you bought, stuck it to your windshield, and it, you know, and it told you how to go. Uh, younger generation, this is, I know, prehistoric, yeah. Anyways, um, right? But, but if you didn't have TomTom, Tom, you had to go to MapQuest. You put in your starting place, your ending place, and then you hit print, and it gave you just turn-by-turn instruction, and you just follow the instruction turn-by-turn. Turn. And we thought that was the greatest thing because, remember, we didn't have Waze, and we didn't have Siri, and we didn't have Alexa, and we didn't have built-in navigation in our cars. We didn't have Wi-Fi. We didn't even know what Wi-Fi was. Anyways... But the point is, sometimes we think that's what God is going to do. He's going to pick a place, show us exactly where the place is, and then give us a route, and then we can decide if that's a good route for us or not. So what God doesn't do is he doesn't do that. He says, I know the place and I know the way. Why? I don't want you to depend on you. I want you to have to depend on me. So I'm going to just tell you to start. I'm going to tell you to start moving. I'm going to tell you the first turn, and I'm going to tell you there is a promised land because if you keep relying on you, if you know the destination and you know the way, you become self-reliant, and pretty soon you'll be driving without me. 
But if you don't know the way and you don't know the destination, you have to become more God-reliant and you'll never go anywhere without me. Are you with me? So if he has the promise, come on somebody, then he has the way. Right? And how many know that's uncomfortable? I don't know about you. I'm a planner. Jan is a planner. We find great comfort in the plan. I like to have a plan. Right? It's uncomfortable to not have a plan, to not know what we're doing, to not know which, which, where we're going. It's uncomfortable. I think one thing, though, that needs to be said, though, is that there is a difference, and I don't think our culture understands this, but there's a difference between comfort and peace. Our, our culture is probably the, the... Our culture probably struggles the most with having peace because, I mean, prescription meds are, are high. I'm not against prescription meds, I should always say. I'm not against these things. This is hyperbole to help you understand the point. We've never had a generation more depressed and more anxious than the current generation. Right? Is that Z? Yeah. Um, we've, we've never been. And, and, why, and, and then we're trying to find comfort in so many things. And whether that's a relationship or whether it's a substance or a prescription, and I'm not against prescriptions. I'm not against relationships. Just making a point. Or whether it's Oreos, man. Whatever you're trying to find comfort in, and you can find comfort in Oreos, by the way. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> Especially if you, if you dip them in peanut butter. Oh, Jesus. Get a big glass of milk. You'll hear baby angels. They'll sing. I'm just saying, whatever you try to find comfort in, right? So many times people are tr they're pursuing comfort thinking they'll get peace. And then they even get the thing that they want, whatever that thing is. They identify as how they want. They get what they want. They do what they want. And at the end, they still don't have peace. And now they're still not comfortable. Even if they achieve some sort of measure of comfort, they still don't have peace. Because peace and comfort aren't the same thing. This is what's amazing about God. Only peace comes from him. You don't get peace in anything else. He's the prince of peace. He's the kingdom of peace. There is no other source for peace. You can pursue comfort, but not peace. But here's the amazing thing is, if you understand the difference between comfort and peace, you can actually have peace while you're uncomfortable. And I would say, welcome to the Christian life. The day you signed up, let me help you with what you signed up for. You signed up to be uncomfortable the rest of your life. You can't be comfortable in sin, <laughs> right? You can't be comfortable with status quo, Sometimes you can't even be comfortable in church. I mean, you just can't be comfortable, but you can't have peace. In fact, if you're really pursuing the promised land, if you're really following God, you're not going to be comfortable, but you can have peace. Like, like you want to say this is a cool scripture, just, I don't know, because I like scripture. Isaiah 59, verse 8. Look at this. The way of peace they have not known. This is God talking. The way of peace they have not known and there's no justice in their ways. Look, look at this, look at this. They have made themselves crooked paths, and whoever takes that way will not know peace. Here's what he's saying. They picked their promised land, and they picked their peace, and they thought, or their, their, their way, they picked their promised land, they picked their way, and they thought, if this is comfortable, and if I go my way, I've made my own path, it's going to produce comfort, and here's what God said, they'll never know peace. Why? Because they didn't go my way. They went their way. So, so God has, God has a, a, a wilderness, if you will. I mean, God has a promise. Yes, we're all going to get through the wilderness. God has a promise, and God has, has a way. Let me give you three points then. See, we finally made it. I got three minutes and 29 seconds. The points don't take long. So what if I want to go with God then, Pastor? Okay, God, you've convinced me. There's a promised land out there. There's a way to go. W what now? Three things. These are very simple, by the way. Number one, believe. Like if I want to follow God, 
Here's God, he's talking to me, he's saying, never been this way before. Where do I start? Belief, faith, right? Why? Because faith is always a requirement of following God. You cannot follow God without faith, right? You'll never get around having to have faith. Better yet, you'll never get around having to use your faith. Look at this verse. Look at this verse. Hebrews 6.12. We do not want you to become lazy. Everybody say lazy. But to imitate those who through faith and patience, you can put their perseverance. That's what that word actually means. Who through faith and perseverance inherit what God has promised. So how do I inherit what God has promised? Faith and perseverance. What is a requirement of perseverance? Faith. If you don't have faith, you won't persevere. So bullying it down. If you want the promise, it requires faith. But look what he says. He says, we don't want you to become lazy. You know there's a such thing as lazy faith, right? Lazy faith is faith parked in a parking lot. Right? Let's just get real. Lazy faith, let me say it this way. It's faith that isn't moving. It's faith that isn't working. It's faith that isn't getting anything. To, like, I believe God, but I ain't moving. I believe God, but I ain't working. I believe God, but I ain't doing nothing. That's lazy faith. And he's saying lazy faith doesn't inherit the promise. And he's saying, the writer of Hebrews is like, we want you, we don't want you to become lazy. Why? You'll never get to the promise that way. You'll never get to the promise content, satisfied, comfortable, complacent. That is not how you get moving with God. That is not the promised land he's called you to. And so he's saying, I'm praying. Why? Because if you really have faith, faith moves, faith works, faith serves, faith gives, faith witnesses, faith does something. Faith without works is And so he's sitting here, he's like, hey, I don't want you to have lazy faith. Why? Because every promise from God, because Pastor, how do I get the promise? Every promise from God is received and realized. This is no lie. I can't even explain what just happened right now. <laughs> because somehow, you know, the name of this thing that's in here, we won't say her name because she'll turn on. She started playing a song called Promise just because I don't, apparently she's listening to the message. Anyways. <laughs> but all of a sudden I'm hearing my phone. I'm like, do y'all hear music? No, it's my phone. I even have it silenced. Like, how is that even happening? And then I look and it's like, Promise. And I'm like, why am I? I don't even know what that song Anyways, point is, no promise. No promise is received are realized without faith. And by the way, receiving a promise and realizing it are two different things and both require faith. Because there's a lot of people that had faith to receive it, but then lazy faith has kept me from realizing it. Because look at Abraham, look. Abraham, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to take you to the promised land. That's receiving. That took faith. How do we know he had faith? Because it said he set out the next morning, right? So that's receiving. There's receiving faith. Then there's realizing faith. And so it takes faith to receive it. But if faith gets lazy in the middle, you end up with an Ishmael. This is a great message. I'm sorry. I'm preaching myself so happy. I'm just having a great time. Right? Because that Ishmael, you know what that is? That's the promise my way. I'm going to get to the promised land. I'm just going to take my route. Better yet, that's the promised land with a shortcut. And you know why we take shortcuts? Our faith gets lazy. So it takes faith to realize it. It takes faith to receive it. It takes faith to realize it. So believe here's the second thing, surrender. What about surrender? Well, here's where surrender starts. Two admissions. I'm not there. Wherever God wants to take me, who, who, I'm not there. You know, this is what I had to come to. I'm not where God wants me to be. But that's okay if I'm on my way. Are you with me? Like where God's called me to, I hadn't made it there yet. And part of that, sometimes it's okay just to say, hey, I don't know exactly where I'm going. I don't know the way, but I know I'm on my way. Are you with me? Verse 3 says, 
then you will set out. When you see the ark move, then you will set out. That, 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 those two words, set out, in the Hebrew, it could have been translated, then you will break away. Then you will break away. And I just thought about that. I'm like, that, that's true. Sometimes if I've gotten lazy faith or I've gotten into a parking lot with God, sometimes some things get, get, get attached, right? Like God, they camp three days on this side of the Jordan. What if they would have decided to stay three years because it was comfortable there? Well, then they wouldn't have had tents. They'd have houses, right? And then they'd had crops. And then there would be all these things that they were now encumbered with and they would have stayed too long. And sometimes we make that mistake. God says camp somewhere for three days, and we end up four years there. You know what I'm saying? And, but the point of the matter is they had to break. He said, break away, set out, break away. And I'm just saying sometimes to go on with God, isn't this true? you got to break away, break away from habit, break away from sin. Sometimes you got to break away from people. Sometimes you got to break up with people, you know, whatever the case may be. But you break away. Why? Because I'm going with God. So he said, when you see the ark move, break away. And then verse 5, he says, sanctify yourself. That just means dedicate yourself, right? We're set apart from, and then we're set apart to, right? And so I'm breaking away from these things that are holding me back from God. And now I'm dedicating all of my life, not just a Sunday morning or something like that. No, all of my life is being dedicated to God because I want to go with him. So what's required? Well, belief, but then surrender to say, God, all of me is going on the journey. And if it can't go, I'll leave it behind. And then the third thing is focus. Focus, because here's what he said. You got to fix your focus on the ark, right? He said, when you see that ark move, you move. When you see that ark move, you move. It's interesting because there are transitions when you see the wilderness versus promised land. Like one of the, I think, interesting transitions is the manna stops when they get into the promised land. I always think that's weird because I think it's backwards. Because if it's really a promised land, shouldn't God be Ubering me food every day? Right? Uber Eats should be showing up because that's the promised land, right? I just sit at the tent and wait on the manna to show up. That would be the promised land. It's interesting because in the wilderness, he supplied food every day. Then they get to the promised land. He says, well, now you work and you produce crops. Like to me, that's backwards. I don't have time to talk about spiritual maturity and how growing God takes care of us in the beginning. And then we have to learn to work and our faith has to learn to work. And then the truth is the crops, we prosper more. Manna was day by day. Crops allow you, you know, a lot of preparation, planning, investment, and increase that manna could never provide. But I don't have time. Another interesting thing, this is the one I want to get to. In the wilderness, you remember how God led them? It was a pillar, a cloud, and a pillar of fire. Do you remember this? Do you know what's interesting? That's not how God leads them in the promised land. You know, what, what we just read, when you see the ark, you know what's interesting? What does the ark represent? The presence of God, right? What's the cloud and the fire represent? The presence of God. It's the same presence, but it looks different. It's the same presence, but it's a new way. It's the same God, but he's leading a different way because God is never going to become a formula. Are you with me? And where it was easy to follow this cloud because it's over everybody during the day and this fire's over everybody at night, probably to keep, keep them cool in the day and to keep them warm at night. That's why it switched from cloud to fire, right? But now I've got to fix my eyes Got to be a little more disciplined. Same God, but He's leading a different way. The, the way God leads you in one season, the way God leads you in another season changes. About the time you get God figured out in one season, He changes how He does it in another season. Why? Because God's relational and He doesn't want to be a formula. And, and, and for some of us, we keep, try, we keep wanting God to lead us the way He led us in the last season. And that's not how he's going to lead us in this season because God's requiring us to have a different focus in this season than we did in the last season. And he says, set your eyes on what? On the ark. Set your eyes on the presence. Why? Because you go where you look. 
Like, like I'm not a good driver. I'm okay with it. Most people drive like this. I drive like this. Right? Because there's more stuff going on out there. This is boring. This is exciting. Right? Are you with me? Well, here's the problem. I run off the road a lot. I, this is just confession of the soul. I feel, I feel like it's good for me. I run, in fact, my truck has one of those lane assist things that tells you when you're about to go off the road, but it beeps real loud, right? So I turn that thing off. <laughs> I, I, it annoyed me so much because I'll be driving like me, 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 and I'm like, you know what? When I feel the do-do-do-do-do, I don't know, get back on the road. You know, I don't need the lane assist. When I hit the squirrel, I'll move back over. You understand? But you go to where... <laughs> You go to where you look. Look at King David. King David was doing great. And it said the time the king went out, the kings go out to war the spring. It was kings go out to war. He didn't go. He was on his balcony. And it said he looked and saw a woman bathing. And his life went where he looked. Your life goes where you look. So what does God tell them in, in Joshua 3? Look at the ark. Set your eyes on the ark. Here, why does he tell them that? Why does he tell them that? Because he wants to get them to the promised land. But to get to the promised land, you don't seek the promised land. To get to the promised land, you don't focus on the promised land. To get to the promised land, you focus on the presence. If you want to find the promise, you follow the presence. If you want to get to the promise, you follow the presence. And so this is what he said. Fix your eyes on the presence. Let me just say this because I'm done. Okay. I think God's calling our church to a journey. Not status quo, not religiosity, right? Not cookie cutter. I think he's calling us on a journey to where he's, it's a new day, it's a new way, to where he is now. I'm not saying we're wrong where we've been, I just feel the calling of God to move. Are you with me? I'm asking you as a church, can you take this journey with me? Some probably won't, some will, others will show up. Whatever it is, can you take this journey with me? No, we're not going to blow up the whole thing. We are meeting as pastors and we're deciding what ministry actually needs to happen and what needs to change. And are there things we've been doing for 100 years that we don't need to do anymore? I mean, we are totally going through everything and we're looking at everything. And this is what I've told everybody. Hey, anything we do, you got to have a word from God. We can do anything you want to do. You just got to have a word from God. No more what we did last year. Not that they were that way. I mean, they're all excited. They're energized. They're like, this is awesome. And I'm like, yes, this is exciting. Because God's speaking and God's moving and God's calling us as a church to, to, to this promised land that he has for pathway. Did I tell you all the story about the man putting money in my hands? Okay, that was the other two. When you preach three, you, they all start sounding the same. Our church, I remember, before there was a church, in fact, it didn't even have a name. I'd felt when I was 20 years old like God wanted me to start a church. Back then we called it starting because no one planted churches, they started them. And, um, and so after years of ministry and vocational ministry, I just finally reached that place where I'm like, I, I think it's time to do this. And I talked to the family about it, mom, dad, my brother, and we're kind of praying. I said, y'all just pray with me. And my brother and I had gone to eat lunch one day. We are getting us a sandwich. And we are just going to catch up and talk about this, talk about church, that kind of thing. No one, we had not publicized. No one knew. There, was no, there were no people. There were no buildings. There were no money. There was nothing, right? It was just a vision, essentially. And we're in this restaurant. There was this man that we had known and knew. He's gone to be with Jesus now. But we—he was regarded as a as a prophet. Really, he was just spot on. Was and he was he was different, but he was right. You know, it's kind of weird. Um, I don't say weird, but I'm just saying a lot of people that are really really strong prophetically kind of hit different than other people, and that's fine. If you've been around those people, those giftings, sometimes that's how that works, and so it's just the way God uses them. And and case in point, he comes up to me. And just like intently staring at me, like eyes watering. And he said, Pastor Marty, or man of God, or something like that. You know, this is how he starts the conversation. I, hey, how's it going today? Fancy meeting you. Man of God. <laughs> you know? And he starts grabbing my, put your hands, put your hands out, put your hands out. We're in a restaurant. 
I'm hungry. Put your hands like your cup. Like your cup, cup, cup. Like this. Like this. Okay. This man's putting money in my hands until, I mean, there's money falling out of my hands. Coins, dollars, 20s, money. And he looked at me so intently. He said, I'll be the first to do this, but I won't be the last. He said, because what God has put in your heart and called you to, he will cause men to give for the vision that God's. And he starts prophesying about a church that nobody knew about except God. You know what? I look at all those things because they always say you have the best of everything. He said things like you'll have incredible worship uh, and singers. And, and you know what all that is? Promises. He talked about the presence of God. Promises. And what I'm saying, Pathway, is I think God's calling us to something more. I'm not saying where we're at is bad. I'm just saying he's calling us to something more. And for me, I just don't want to miss him. And I don't know exactly the way. I kind of know the direction. I feel pretty confident about that. I don't know the way, maybe, but I know the direction. And I don't know exactly where we're going to get there or how we're going to get there. I just think we are. In fact, I know we are. And all I'm asking our church today is if you can, go with me. If you can, go with me. And, and in your own personal life, I want the same thing for you individually. I want you to take a journey with Jesus, and I want you to find your promised land. And I want you to go. I want your family to go the way he wants you to go. I, want, I, I just I want to see what God can do, right? I want to see the power and the presence of God and just see what God can do. And today, I just feel asked what the Holy Spirit saying. It's a new day, and it's a new way. Will y'all go? And for me, it's a yes. And so I'm going to ask you to stand. Our prayer team's going to come down. And I'm just going to pray and Really, all we're going to say is, you know, here's what I, it's my appeal, if you will, but if you, if you'll go, if you can go, if you will go, I just want you to say yes with me. You know, just say, it's just your own way of saying, God, I want to go wherever you call me to. I'm going to break out and head towards and if I don't know where that is, I'm going to try to figure that out. If I don't know the, the, the first step, I'm just going to try to get moving. I'm going to do something. But that's what I want to pray. Will you bow your heads with me? God, thank you so much for your word today. And God, for me, it's a yes, I want to go. God, I feel you're calling on us. And God, I just, I just say yes, I want to go. I'll follow. I'll break away. I'll break out. I'll set out towards whatever I need to do, God, I'll follow because I want to go. If you're here, every, everybody's air bow, heads are bowed. We're not really looking around. But if that's you and you're like, you know, Pastor, I want to go too. Wherever we're going, I want to go. I believe God's got a purpose. Will you just lift your hand up and say, I believe God's calling me. I want to go. I want to go wherever God's destined me, called me. I want to follow him. I believe it. God, you see all of us. We got our hands up and we're saying, God, we want to go with you. So Holy Spirit, come and lead us. God, we set our eyes on your presence. We set our eyes to follow your spirit, to be sensitive to you, to listen for you, God, to, 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 to strengthen, if you will, our discernment so, God, we can discern the way to go. God, as you speak, help us to hear you. God, help us to lay things down that need to be laid down. And if there's things in our lives that need to be, God, show us those things that need to stay behind. That's okay, because, God, we want to go with you. And, Lord, hear us as a church. We say, yes, we want to go with you. We want to follow you. Show us our next step. Show us the way to go. Show us the next turn, whatever it is. God, we want to go to what you've called us to. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. God is so good. Hey, Pastor Marty here from Pathway Church, and I just want to say thank you for joining us, and I want to encourage you 
to get connected and stay connected. And there's several ways you can do that. Number one, you can download the Pathway app and we are all the time offering resources and information on that app for you. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you do, make sure you click the bell so that you never miss any life-giving and life-changing content as we add it to the channel. And then also, uh, make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook. Look, our hope and heart for you is that you walk in the purpose for which God made and created and redeemed you for. We love to connect people to purpose. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And if you're ever in Longview or you are in Longview, I'd love to invite you to join us in person each weekend. Listen, I pray God's best for your life. I believe if you follow Jesus, your best is ahead.